0: Oftentimes we focus on acquiring new clients when really what we need to do is dig deeper with our existing clients, especially with financial services, because typically you really want referrals more than you want to just find random people because referrals are usually similar to your own clients. So they're more likely to be your ideal client. They're already sold on your value because someone they trust has already talked about how you've helped them prepare for retirement or help them grow their funds or weather all kinds of storms. And so digging deeper, social media allows us a window into what people care about. That is powerful. Hello, I'm Crystal Washington. And I want you to steal my strategy. You're listening to Steal My Strategy, the show where we talk to smart people who invite you to copy, review, and remix practical ideas you can apply to life and business. Are you ready? Let's get to it.
1: Well, Crystal, I am beyond excited to have you here because, first of all, it's our first episode of our second season back. And second of all, I just think you are a very interesting person. You were fascinating at Jolt. You have a fascinating history. And I know that everybody's going to really enjoy learning from you today. So thank you for joining us on the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me, Robert. I'm excited to be here.
1: Good. I'm so glad and I'm excited. So that means this is going to be a good episode. Now, before we even get into all the incredible things that I know you're going to teach us, I have to ask you about something in your title. I've been around business for a while and you are the first futurist. Please tell us what is a futurist and also you're a certified futurist. There is a futurist organization. This is all new to me. So please enlighten us.
0: Let me say what a futurist is not, because oftentimes people are like, oh, what predict what's coming up next. I'm not a psychic. That's not the same thing. Okay, I don't have a crystal ball. My name is Crystal and I I own balls. I play with volleyball and stuff, but I don't have a crystal ball. A futurist job is simply to look at what an organization or individual, usually organization is expecting to happen, like they're asking a specific question. What is the future of this? What's likely to happen here? And a futurist job is then to look at the landscape, do something called a horizon searching, and help the team put together alternative futures, plausible alternative futures, so that then they can prepare for those as well. So it's how you think about people saying you should have, you know, plan A, B, and C, or D. It's very similar. And I think Shell Company was probably the first to actually have a actual futuristic house, maybe, I don't know if it's the 70s or the 80s. But now it's actually quite popular for larger organizations to employ futurists to help them prepare beyond their blockages. Certified just means I've taken courses. So there's people that, because of the methodologies they use, they say they're futurists and that's fine. We can always do that. Like right now, Robert, you wanna be a futurist? Ding, you're futurist, right? Um, You just use that methodology in what you do. But I've actually taken courses at universities and things like that. So I actually have certifications.
1: Yeah, very interesting. Well, and you also have credentials. I mean, it's amazing the companies you've worked with. I know Google, Microsoft, GE, even internationally, United States, Africa, Europe, right? So how long have you been doing this?
0: A little bit over a decade, I've been doing the speaking portion, but I've owned my own business and I've been in the digital marketing space since about 2006, because I knew that social media was so funny. It's still kind of in its infancy. And I remember working in corporate America and I was in sales and marketing. And I remember telling my boss, and this is my early 20s, hey, this social media thing, I'm feeling it's gonna be big one day. Now, mind you, this is like in MySpace days. And I said, you know, I said, imagine if companies got on here and they started having conversations with their clients. And of course, now, Robert, we're like, but at the time it hadn't happened yet. And my boss, who was a little bit more senior than me, looked at me and he said, look, kid, you're cute and you make us a bleep load of money, which I did. He said, stick to what you know. I said, Oh that's terrible. <laughs> now mind you, I'm a millennial, but I'm an old millennial, Robert. So I did a very millennial thing. I quit my job because everything in me was like, this is gonna be a big start your own company. And so I was at the forefront of the millennial movement to quit jobs. And and so that's how I got into the digital marketing space. That's how I started working with small businesses first because they're more agile. And then I got contracts with Google and Microsoft and British Airways. So I actually started those are three clients I did through the consulting in as they were trying to figure out how to use social media more strategically.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, good for you having the foresight. Obviously, you were right. And it's interesting, though, something you said just a moment ago, you said we're very much still in the early stages, I believe is how you put it, or it's still in its infancy. And you know that's something I hear a lot of people in our industry. You know, We serve financial advisors, and I hear them say, oh, you know, it's too late now. I I didn't get on Twitter early enough. I didn't build a following. I, you know, I get out there, there's too much noise. I can never break through. But you're shaking your head. So that's not the way to think about it. It's always shifting.
0: It may not be called social media uh, five or even 10 years from now. It might be called something else. It may not be called Facebook. But the way that we're connecting outside of in-person interactions, that's never going away now. The level of global connectivity we have. You know, Robert, I'm, Again, I mentioned I'm a millennial, but I really am an old millennial. If I was born just a few months
1: earlier, I'd be a a Gen X, right? Oh, we're the same. I was born in 81. So we're very similar. Yeah. We're right
0: there. So I remember when we were younger,
1: you know, if you were really cool and global,
0: you had a pen pal. So I had a pen pal named Maria in Spain. Meanwhile, my nephew plays video games with people around the world since he was in elementary school. Like He literally has teammates that are joining from UAE and parts of Africa and Europe at the same time. So this level of connectivity we have through social media, through gaming, it's it's all part of the same ecosystem. It's not going away. And so we don't have to be at the very forefront of something to take advantage of it. And actually, it's almost better not to be one of the first users because then there's a lot of error. And let other people work out the kinks and get all the bumps on their heads from falling down. After they've fallen down enough, then you step in their footsteps, step over their bodies (laughs) the nicest way possible, and you be more strategic, right? So it's never too late.
1: That's a really good perspective. And one of the things that you do, Crystal, which I'd like to talk more about, is you actually help businesses figure out how to use social media strategically to empower them with sales, marketing, and to be more efficient. So give me some examples of how you help businesses do this. And keeping in mind that we're also dealing with small businesses, you have a lot of big clients, but what if you're just like one or two people and you're trying to run your business and now you've got to be on social media too. And that's not going to make me more efficient. That's just going to take more time. But I I know that's not how you see it and there's more to it.
0: No, no. And I mean, the advice I give my larger companies obviously is a little bit different than my mom and pop, my midsize to Small. I don't really like using the term small business, but people know what I mean, because I mean, the significance is there because over I think it's a little bit over 50 percent, maybe it's 51 percent of Americans are employed by small businesses. So they have a big impact. They're important. But, you know, I have, for instance, I, I've done uh, I have programs around the option of efficiency. Like I have one called Operation Outsource that I'll come and I do a keynote or I do a breakout workout uh, workout breakout workshop where I show small business owners about how to better systematize their businesses. And so when you think about efficiency, oftentimes there are repetitive tasks that happen in our companies. And the thing is that when you're dealing with small businesses, oftentimes they're run by type A's. Right. And so and I'm a reformed type A, right, where you've been brought up to believe you want something done right, you do it yourself. Instead of figuring out systems that can do some of the more repetitive tasks, instead of figuring out how to outsource to other individuals and give them very specific areas to own. And then when it comes to setting up those systems, then I help organizations figure out what technology can facilitate their needs. Because there's different technologies. I'm a pragmatist, Robert. So I believe that if you're going to use a piece of technology, it shouldn't just be because it's shiny and new you need to have some ROI from that, right? So you need to be able to see how it's making more money or it's shifting your conversion rate or it's your employees are happier because maybe they're not working 60 hours a week now. Maybe they have regular weeks, you know, they are 40 hours or less. So that's kind of how I work with smaller companies from the efficiency angle. Now, when it comes to the sales angle and the marketing angle, sales is really interesting because all sales is relationships, that's it. And so I'm showing them how to better use technology, which does include social media for many organizations, paired with things like their customer relationship management systems to build better relationships. And all it is, is being observant. You know, Robert, do you know anybody that's like extremely thoughtful? Like, do you have anyone in your life that's just super thoughtful?
1: Oh, yeah. Several at my company. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. I teach people how to be super thoughtful. And there's technology that can help you be thoughtful when you're not naturally that person. And even if you are naturally that person, there's so many hours in the day. You can't keep track of every single person's family events and this or that, every single client. There's technology that will help you with that. We're not outsourcing the relationships, but we're setting up reminders and we're creating systems for pulling in the information that we can then use to make clients feel
1: extra special. Okay, this is really fascinating because... What you're describing to me sounds like a bit of a juxtaposition because you've got technology, which is not personal, and then you've got relationships, which are, and a very human element, but you're saying the two can work together. It's like you're saying, I can use technology to be more human, to build stronger relationships. So help me understand, like, give me some practical examples. How do we do that?
0: So um, before I get into practical, let me, because there's some people that are going to have a little bit of an issue with that juxtaposition, as you said, imagine a superhero superheroes superhero isn't any less who they are. They're using sometimes technology like Iron Man to get more done, right? So it's to be a better version of who they already are. Batman, right?
1: I like that, yeah.
0: So everybody in here can be Batwoman, Batman, you know, Iron Man, minus his issues, hopefully, right? We don't want to take that on. But my point is, is that it's just to accentuate what you already have. So for instance, if you're someone who's really good at remembering people's birthdays or sending uh, clients uh, children cards, maybe, right? Just say, you know, you know, they're about to turn 16, 18 and it's appropriate. You've met them in an environment and you just want to say, you know, happy birthday, blah, blah, blah. Here's a little $5 gift card, or here's $5 to invest in however you want to make the message, right? Well, when you're using social media and if you're connected to your clients, there especially with financial services, it gets a little tricky because sometimes people don't know what they can and can't post, right? Because we have all of these uh, laws and entities that have kind of told us to be very careful. We have to be careful what we say. And so oftentimes with financial services, I say, you actually don't have to create too many posts at all. Like you can, there's strategies for that, but spy, spy on your clients. And you're just reading what they're putting there. And it doesn't even have to be you. You can actually, if you're, outs so if all of your reason for being on let's say Facebook is to connect with clients, right? And maybe you post a little bit of things about you, you know, you're doing this or little tip, but something's not going to get you in any trouble. You can have someone in your office where their job is once a week to comb through your clients and just add any little things, any pieces of information into your customer relationship management system. They can set a timer, okay, this is your kid's birthday this year, they just announced it. Okay, next year, you know, 51 weeks from now, we're going to mail out a card to tell that kid happy birthday. Or, oh, they just had twin granddaughters. All right, let's go ahead and use Wonderbly to create custom you know, baby books with each of the baby's names and ship it to the client. Oftentimes we focus on acquiring new clients when really what we need to do is dig deeper with our existing clients especially with financial services, because typically you really want referrals more than you want to just find random people because referrals are usually similar to your own client. So they're more likely to be your ideal client. They're already sold on your value because someone they trust has already talked about how you've helped them grow, how you've helped them prepare for retirement or help them grow their funds or weather all kinds of storms. And so digging deeper, social media allows us a window into what people care about. That is powerful. And very few businesses fully use that data in a useful way. Now, the big boys, they use that data to comb it and do all kinds of very strange things, I'll tell you that. But just from an individual mom and pop basis, just looking at that and seeing what people are up to, you can take your relationships to new heights. But again, we're using technology to find the information. We're using technology to send us reminders to contact people. We might even be using technology like Wonderbly, one that does customized books or using tools like send out cards to craft customized cards. We might be using technology even to get the message out. But as long as the message is about the other person and it's not an advertisement, it doesn't have our logo on it. I know that's what will stick. That's what grows relationships. That's what makes people more likely to give you referrals because Then when their friends come over and they see these beautiful baby books you sent, they're like, oh my gosh, where'd they come from? Oh, my financial advisor, Robert's amazing, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, I need one. I was just thinking of getting one or I'm not happy with the one I have.
1: I love it. You've got my gears turning because I I just think about, you mentioned systemizing this earlier and some of that stuff sounds overwhelming until you said, make it somebody's job. You can get a virtual executive assistant very affordably and they could do nothing but Go and find that information, add the reminders to your CRM on an annual recurrence, and there you go. And now you're creating a much more enriched relationship with technology. I think it's just an outstanding application of how you can do this. Now, I know you specialize in social media. You just mentioned one way to use it. I think your point about focusing on existing relationships is very valid, but there are a lot of people in our audience who don't have enough existing relationships to live off. And they've got to go out and find new relationships. And maybe they don't even have enough people to provide them a steady stream of referrals. So if I'm starting at a level where I don't have that big client base to get referrals from, now, how do I use it to my advantage?
0: So I'm going to share something that the folks that are with us right now, Robert, probably aren't expecting. So if you're just starting off brand new, my suggestion would not be to use social media to acquire these prospects. My suggestion would be to use social media to build your reputation. So this is where that SEO component comes in. So creating YouTube videos. So creating interesting posts for Twitter that link back to articles that you've written. Again, making sure you're compliant. I have to say that over and over. Make sure you're (laughs) compliant. Okay. But what happens is, is here's what's interesting about Twitter, for instance. Most of the folks with us right now, uh, Robert, shouldn't be posting on Twitter regularly. And I felt like right when I said that, I actually felt like a collective sigh because it confuses people, right? I'm sure a lot of your folks are like, ah, what do I do with it? They're relieved. Thank goodness. (sighs) But Here's the power of Twitter. The media monitors Twitter. That's where they're looking for their next story. Stories break on Twitter. If there's some type of PR nightmare happening somewhere, I can almost guarantee it popped up on Twitter first and then spread every place else, including traditional media. So with that having been said, if you're trying to get on any kind of local media television station or any type of written publications, they are mining Twitter for sources. You can connect directly with the reporters themselves. You can link back to their article saying this is amazing, blah, blah, blah. And then maybe, you know, comment on a few of their articles. And then the fifth time you have a conversation. Well, this is something I think you might want to consider being that you've talked about this twice. Next thing you know, you're on television, you're in the paper, you're in all these different places building credibility. Then on social media, you can come and start posting these things. Then you can start posting those things on your website. Then you can start building relationships, prospects. Once they see, oh, this person is everywhere. They're, they're being linked to on this resource and this resource. They know what they're talking about. Rather than just kicking it off, if you don't have the accolades or the credibility behind you, you know, of course, you've done the courses and and you have the licenses, obviously. But that doesn't mean anything to the average person. But when they start seeing, oh, this is a thought leader, no one wants to buy from a salesperson. Everybody wants to buy from an expert.
1: Yeah, it's it's absolutely true. And I can attest to that. I know Twitter, I get reporters in my DMs asking for interviews on perspectives and and actually on things I've tweeted. And my tweets have ended up in articles. I absolutely know you're right about that. And you know what else fascinating to me about the power of Twitter is if you do a Google search on someone and they have a Twitter account at the very top of the page, The last three things that they tweeted will appear there. So if those are perspectives on areas of your expertise, if they link back to your website, if they link back to other landing pages, that can be an excellent lead source and often driving more traffic than other things like your blog posts might not get picked up, but your tweets always will.
0: Extremely powerful. It's great when Twitter and Google are getting along because every few years they fight and that doesn't show up and then they come back and they're friends again. I think they're friends again right now. So that's always nice. (laughs) I got one more add on based on what you just said, because I want to give great advice that springboards off of that. You talked about Google picking up Twitter. Google picks up YouTube before anything else, because Google and Google owns YouTube, they're both alphabet, right? And so we give preferential treatment to our own babies, whether we like to admit it or not, that's just natural. And so if you have any kind of YouTube video, making sure the words or terms you want to pop up for are in the title and in the description and are mentioned in the first 20 or so seconds of the video, so it pops up in the transcript, that's going to get you higher up in the Google search results for those words. So make sure that you're using the words you want to pop up for title description, first 20 or so seconds of the video itself. So in addition to Twitter, I just want to throw out there, YouTube is much appreciated. And then lastly, it picks up LinkedIn pretty well too. So optimizing LinkedIn for your keywords is key. Little pun right there.
1: Yes, it is. That's very practical tips. Yeah. Thank you for those. And you know, everything you've said, I endorsed and here we are, we're talking about the way to use social media today. Great examples, but I feel like we're not, getting the most out of this conversation because you are a futurist. So, we got to talk about where we're going, Crystal. So, help me out. Like this is where we are today. What are some of the trends that you're watching? The next big things that you see businesses need to be keeping an eye on if they want to be leaders? They need to be learning about where should we be looking?
0: So, right now we're kind of having what I would consider I don't want to say war, that sounds too strong considering the the global atmosphere. Um we're having this battle over the culture of online. It's a global battle, right? But people are trying to figure out what's coming next. So you have a group of people pushing for the metaverse, right? Which is so funny to me because the metaverse has existed for many years. It just wasn't called the metaverse. We live in a very interesting time. where billionaires, and I'm not detracting from their brilliance at all, by the way. Our billionaires are reintroducing technology we've already had, but they're packaging it differently and marketing it. So the metaverse is not new. I live in Houston, Texas. And so when the Harvey, when Storm Harvey came and hit and flooded out my whole city years ago, how did I spin Harvey? I'm trapped. I had on my Oculus. I'm chatting with people on there. I'm hanging out with space aliens. So this kind of environment that's being pushed and saying it's the future, gamers have been on it for years, right? So that's not new. Even when you think about the whole, you know, oh, these rockets into space. And people are like, ooh, this is amazing. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we did that 50 years ago. <laughs>
1: not minimizing. No, it's true, it's
0: true. Or even Elon Musk with Neuralink, right? This technology, this medical technology is certainly not new at all. Uh, the difference is that the scientists that are behind it, it's not their job to market and they tend to under promise because they're all about the science itself, right? And using exact terminology. And so what we have is we're living in a time where these billionaire tech leaders are really marketing more so than inventing. Again, I'm not detracting from what they're doing, but I want to be very clear. It's not that they know what's coming. They're convincing everyone this is the future. And if enough people buy into it, it becomes the future. So with that having been said.
1: You're getting deep now. This is this is getting heavy.
0: I know. Right. But you asked for this. So I'm explaining. So That's how the future works. The future is not this thing that's set in stone. Typically, even if you go back in history, it's the leaders selling people on an idea, whether that's Roosevelt, whether that's Martin Luther King, whether that's Mahatma Gandhi. So let's talk about the future of social media. In many ways, consumer behavior will dictate what actually is the future. So so there's this push right now for all of this kind of metaverse, blockchain-enabled interaction And I think that there's some benefits to it. And I think there's some drawbacks to it. I'm very familiar with the technologies. I use them daily, actually, in my own life. The problem is, is that most consumers are not there yet, right? And I think the thing that everyone watching right now has to ask themselves is, where are their clients? So TikTok, huge wave, right? Are most of their clients on TikTok? Probably not. Are the very next generation of clients on TikTok? Uh, Maybe, maybe. So maybe being aware, but they might not be doing the same thing on TikTok by the time it's time for them to bring on a financial advisor, or you could go ahead and create a long funnel and decide to capture them now. And maybe you do get on TikTok knowing that you're looking at a five to 10 year funnel. I've seen larger corporations do that. An example I like to use, it's a personal one, Robert, is I remember being in elementary school and a bank coming to my elementary school, explaining the concept of banking. And they gave us all little forms and our parents had to also sign off on them. And they allowed us all to open accounts with that bank in elementary school. And I think I put in like $5, right? I kept that account until I was probably, I started doing more banking with the company until it was acquired by another company into my mid twenties. They had the long game in mind. Think about it, who goes and captures like fourth graders, right? And so keep in mind, that's another strategy. Now it's going to take a while to pay off, But when it does pay off, it will pay off in saves. So we have to think about what our strategy is. If your strategy is you're going to retire in the next five years, do not get on TikTok. Do not get on those social networks because that's not where the next generation is. Now, if you're looking to retire in five years and sell your practice to someone outside of your family, well, then you might still need to create that funnel, right? So that your business has that level of viability where you can sell it. I would say when you look at the future of social media, it's going to become harder and harder to connect with individuals because there's more privacy laws that are spreading and people want more control of their data. It's going to become much more difficult to advertise and you're going to have to get more creative in how we do it. A lot of that's dealing with some of the standards that are starting out in Europe. They are spreading. So we have to be very strategic. And so honestly, I think the future of social media is finding ways to better connect with the people we already know and getting them to introduce us to the rest of their network, because advertising is going to become much more difficult. It already is. People are already paying. I know some uh, small business owners that are paying two and three times what they did in ads to reach the same number of people just three years ago.
1: True. Yeah. We're experiencing that in our advertising. Everything you said, what I pulled out seemed to anchor it was that it's strategy first. You have to have a strategy. It's not about chasing the next shiny object or the biggest trend. It's about deciding what your strategy is, what outcome you want, where you want to be in five years, and then you work off of that strategy first. Always. So I'm not a strategic thinker, Crystal. By the way, I'm speaking rhetorically. I'm not a strategic <laughs> thinker. You know, I just want to get to where, I, where I've got to be next so I can see where I have to be after that one step at a time. If it's not broken, don't fix it. I can't see five years in the future. How, how could you help me to become a more strategic thinker with more vision to help me drive my choices I'm making in my business today?
0: Paper. So here's the thing. <laughs> no, seriously, paper. Most people think when it comes to creating strategies, they think about technology and I don't know how to work this or that, or do I need to do special mind mapping software? No, start writing down, writing down what you want to happen next. Start writing down, start thinking about, Who's my target audience? Who's my target client? And if you don't know, I remember years ago talking to an insurance professional, a woman who had her own insurance company. And I said, who's your target market? She said, everyone. Everyone needs insurance. And I said, ooh, so technically, yes, but you're going to have some problems uh, with growth. And she said, oh, I I really haven't grown too much in the last four years. I said, said, what do most of your clients look like? She said, well, almost all of them are women now that I think about it. I said, okay. And when did they start working with you? She said, "Well, a lot of them call me like after they get a divorce or like, like the kids leave home or something." I said, "So, you primarily work with women who are having major change of life issues, right?" Tell people that. I said because everyone knows a million different insurance brokers uh, or insurance professionals, but if you say that, that's going to stick in someone's mind. Not only that, even if they run into a man that needs insurance, they're still going to remember you over the other people because there's something that made you stick out. And so I say all that to say, think about who your target market is. Think about where they're going, write that down. So where are they spending their time? That's going to keep you from getting caught up in the shiny stuff because if there's the next social network with people dancing on through and stuff, but if all of your clients are people that are 10 years away from retirement, they're probably not dancing on through to pop music right now. That's not how this works. If you're working, I know some of the financial advisors also do insurance as well. If you're working with benefits managers, because you're doing larger accounts, go where they are, figure out where they are, write that down. The other thing you want to start writing down, because this will start getting you thinking about strategy. What are the things you're doing every day? What are the steps? Write out a little flow chart that it takes to get somebody from the first time they call you or hear about you to the time they close. Start asking clients questions. How did they decide to go with you? As you start writing these things down, you're going to start noticing patterns. And that's where the brilliance is. Because once you start noticing patterns, that's when you can start taking things off your plate. Because now if you know there's a certain flow, maybe you can put somebody else in charge of this piece knowing they need to drive people through a certain way. Maybe there's a piece of technology that will help go through this process as well. So writing on paper, I'm a big, as much as I do technology, I am a big fan of yellow pads and I have tons of them with scratch work. And then I use that scratch work to create systems.
1: I wouldn't have expected that answer from you, but it does make sense. You know, Crystal, we're, we're getting close on time, but I wanna make sure we get a couple more things out of this. First of all, I'd like to get a little personal story, uh, at least out of each of, of my guests. And one of the things I read, this has kind of caught my eye. You're a travel fanatic, which I love. I I love travel as well. But something in your travel history, you once followed a random barefoot mountain man with a machete up an active volcano. What? You got to tell me this story, Crystal.
0: How long do we have?
1: (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Can you make it like a two or three minute story and then we'll get your last big takeaway?
0: I think I can. All right. So here we go. So my husband's friend was getting married in um, St. Vincent. My husband's a photographer, his friend's a photographer. He said, you know, you all come along. We get there two days before the wedding. We're at a dinner and the guys announced, hey, we have a great groomsman event. All the guys, we're going to go climb this mountain, uh, Mount Soufri. And he was like, and the women, you guys are going to go to a spa. I heard that and I was like, that sounds terrible. I want to go to a spa. I'm going to climb a mountain because that's who I am. And I said, hey, can I come with the guys? And they're like, sure. And then there were two other women. like, can we come with you? And they're like, sure. All right, fast forward to the next day, Robert. There's a gentleman picking us up in a van. He's going to drive us kind of close, further up the mountain so that we can actually start to access it. As we're getting in there, he asked the groom, hey, where is your guide? The groom says, I do not have a guide. The guy stopped the van for a second, looked at him and said, you need a guide. The groom said, I don't need a guide. I asked my uncle. He told me the way. The driver said, people die there. And he said, no, we're going to be fine. I'm looking at my husband. This looks scary. The guy's driving up the van the whole way there for an hour. He's saying, please let me find a local person that can guide you. The groom says no. We get to the top, we get out the van, we start. The guy in the van's looking at us like, are you sure you wanna do this? The groom's like, yes, I'm concerned, but I'm following along. So we're going up the mountain for maybe about uh, 15 minutes. All of a sudden, one side of the mountain falls away. So think, imagine like a 200 foot drop and the walkway is about enough for one person to go at a time. So if you slip, you die. We keep walking. There's another point where the other side falls off. So if you slip in either direction, you die. It's the rainforest, it's slippery, we're making a chain. We finally come up to the part where the land comes back. There's a little bit of clearing. We're sitting down. We see the jungle behind us starts to move. I don't know how to explain this, but something in me said, whew, thank goodness. A man comes out barefoot with the machete in his hand and all the guys jump up. I don't know what they thought they were going to do. And the guy said, hey, I ran into a van driver at the bottom and he told me there's some Americans that are about to get themselves killed. And at this point I said, I'm so sorry. I don't have any money on me. Cause again, we're on a mountain. I said, but I have granola. And one of the other guys that was also concerned, he had made a, he took like a a bag of uh, bread and put sandwiches back in there. And he said, I I have sandwiches. And the guy said, perfect. I will take your sandwiches and your granola. And the groom was like, we don't need your help. And I was like, shut up. And so then (laughs) the guide led us back up to the top. It was a little bit more to the store, but that's pretty much how I ended up following this random barefoot mountain man with a machete. He probably saved our lives.
1: That's a great story. Yeah. And what an adventure. Great memories. Well, Crystal, it's been a delight to talk to you. And I've learned a lot as well. And uh, you're very engaging. And obviously, you know what you're talking about. So thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. I do have one final question for you. You know, this podcast is called Steal My Strategy. Uh, you've given us lots of things to take away. But let's just take one final comment from you, if there was one thing you wanted the audience to apply in their business or in their life that you think would help them the most, what would it be?
0: If you already have a book of business, rather than having an outside salesperson, take that person, turn them inside and make them focus on customer, not just satisfaction, customer overwhelmingly giddiness. So their job is not to go out and get new business. Their job is to remember all those little things. Not really remember, they're using your CRM. They're collecting that data from social media. They're collecting that data from your phone calls. At the end of the phone call, if you're like, hey, she just mentioned her mother passed away or they like to vacation in Washington State. They're putting all those things in the CRM and they are sending out all these amazing things on your behalf, possibly with your name. Turn that salesperson inside And make sure that you're saying, hey, the best way to show us appreciation is a referral and watch what happens. Watch the quality of new clients you get versus going outward.
1: Wow. Well, that is a futurist thing to say, because most businesses would say, I can't afford to invest in a salesperson who's not going to go out and find new clients. But you are forward thinking that vision is absolutely going to turn your clients into raving fans and lead to much more growth. So well done. Well said. Thank you so much, Crystal. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Robert.